Hey, good morning, everyone. Hey, let's stand up and let's give Jesus a big shout of praise before we do anything else today. And I mean you big. Come on. Uh, he's so awesome. He's so worthy. Hey, thank you guys so much for being here. You can be seated this morning if you can. Thank you so much, everyone, joining us online today. Hey, if you will, take a second, as always, click that like button, hit that share button, and help us reach as many people as we possibly can for Jesus. Everybody in-house, feel free to hop on and do that as well. Just watch the volume on that phone when you do it. We want to reach some people for the Lord. My goodness, guys, the Braves did a little something yesterday. Braves did a little something last night. Now they're in the World Series. I don't believe in jinx. And I don't believe in superstitious stuff. But I kind of don't want to get excited yet. Because they're from Georgia. And Georgia sports teams don't have the best history. Like, I was sweating it, man, when the Braves were up. They were up three games, one more, and we're in the series. And then they lost. Oh, no. Oh, no. Here it comes again. It's a replay of last year. Now nah, they pushed through this time. So the Bravos did good. So I'm like, oh, I'm chopping away and watching them do that. Some of y'all stayed up just a little bit too late last night watching the Braves play, huh? So we got coffee in the foyer. Y'all can run out there and get another shot if you need to and then run back in here so that you can hang with us today. But you picked a great day to be in the house of God. If you're a guest here today, my name is Pastor Josh. Uh, glad to have you here. Kick back, relax. You're not a guest anymore. You're family. Uh, we want everyone to feel at home here, and we hope that you have so far. And if not, we hope you do going forward. Um, let's go ahead and get our Bibles and tablets out and open up to the book of Galatians. Before we go much further there, I'm going to ask the ushers to help me out with something. They've got a little gift that I'm going to give you today that we're going to use in service. So listen, you have to promise me something. Promise me that you're not going to be like Dave Varney. <laughs> if you don't know who Dave Varney is, he's a great guy. Man. Dave does a lot of stuff around here at the church, but Dave is like me. He has an inner child inside of him. And so when he gets a hold of lights and things, he likes to click and shine and all that stuff. So I will say this, while you may be tempted to spotlight the pastor while he's preaching, do me a favor and don't do that, man. Uh, so hold on to those things. Uh, it's a little gift we want to give you. Hopefully it's helpful after today, but you'll see how it plays into the service today while they're doing that. Uh, while they're passing that out, you guys remember us talking a few months back about launching a ministry from our church called a Leadership Roundtable. Yeah. And we wanted to use it to invest in not just the leadership here at our church, but leaders in other churches and business leaders in the community to help them go further with their leadership and be more effective in their businesses or their callings and help advance the kingdom of God so ultimately more people get reached for Jesus. Guys, I'm here to tell you, we had one yesterday, most successful one we've ever had, and I call it successful because we're able to um, invest in the leadership, listen to me now, of five different churches yesterday. Five different churches we got to invest in yesterday and a couple of different organizations too came outside of those churches so I guess uh, seven, seven is the total uh, of, of organizations we were able to invest in and help raise the level of their leadership from Eastgate Church. Guys, the vision is happening. Vision is happening and I love watching what God is doing. I'm going to share a little bit more of that with you 
at the end of the message today. But let's go ahead and dive into this stuff. See, some of y'all are rebellious as little punks. Y'all are flashing those lights at me right now. It's funny. Today, we're going to talk about the spirit of rebellion and how it will send you, how it's going to send all you little punks straight to hell. Is it just coincidence that everybody flashed me right now as a Georgia fan? Is that, is that coincidence? My goodness. God have mercy. Why y'all people laughing and having fun in the church house? How dare you? How dare you? That's how we roll around here. We love having fun. We love having fun. Man, you can go somewhere else for uptight, snooty church. We're going to have fun around here. Galatians 5, verse 22. This is the anchor verse for the series that we've been in for the last few weeks. Has this series been blessing you guys and your walk with God, helping you? Okay, good. That's what we want. Everybody to take a step further in their walk with God and become a little bit more who God called them to be. That's the goal. That's what we're shooting for here. So Galatians 5, 22. Says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. As long as you're doing these things, you're never going to get busted for something. Isn't that cool? Um, today we're going to talk about the fruit of goodness. It's the fruit of goodness because the Holy Spirit produces it in our lives. Now, who produces the fruit? The Holy Spirit. And we'll, we'll do this every week. Sooner or later, we'll, it'll catch on. The Holy Spirit's producing this stuff in our lives. Okay, this isn't something that you can just drum up out of discipline or self-will. This is something that comes from the inside out as God is doing his work, regenerating us, restoring us, healing us, completing us, and equipping us to be who he's called us to be. It's the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Trick is you've got to let the Holy Spirit do his work in your life in order to produce the fruit that he gives for us to produce in our lives. And I think that's, that's the catch for most people. When you're talking about goodness, though, I think most people would say that people are attracted to genuine goodness. People are usually attracted to genuine goodness. I just saw somebody take the key light, stick it in their nose, and turn their nose red like Rudolph. You guys, you guys are crazy. Y'all are crazy. I know now, I'm, I'm, getting, a, I'm getting a glimpse of who I need to be praying for and maybe we need to move some of us into a back room with soft things to play with. Bad, bad, you know. You know <laughs> my goodness gracious. So, I shouldn't be complaining because why wouldn't this be the church God calls me to pastor? Why, why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be? Man, I have sowed a lot of seed to reap this harvest, I guarantee you. So, People, people are attracted to genuine goodness, um, which is funny because in the world, like, we don't glorify goodness. In fact, you know, most of the time the world kind of mocks it and sees it as something that's weak. You know, Mr. Limp Wrist Goody Two Shoes needs the anti-hero who overall sides with good but has, you know, bad attitude and bad habits to come in and save the day. We see goodness as something that's weak, but it's really not. It takes incredible strength to operate in that fruit of goodness in your life and to take the high road in situations where people are taking the low road. Um, I think this is one of the things that made Jesus so attractive 
when he was on the earth. I think that's why people were drawn to him is because of the goodness that he operated in. I mean, Jesus, if you think about it, nothing weak about Jesus at all. Jesus was the man. You know, still is the man. The man, son of God, however you want to work it out. Um, No weakness at all in him. Jesus, I mean, Jesus crossed cultural lines and racial lines where people were saying, your people and my people don't hang out together. Jesus was saying, what do you mean your people and your people? No, you're all my people. You're all children of God, and you all are deserving of the love of God. You know, it doesn't matter what your background is, what your color is, where you come from. We're all children of God. Jesus set that stuff straight, and it's time. He turned the world upside down because he went counterculture with what was happening during the day, Jesus stood up against the religious powers that were there and he pointed out the injustice and he pointed out the control and the manipulation in the system and called them on the carpet and pointed out their hypocrisy all the time. There's nothing weak at all in that. Jesus was always standing his ground, standing up for the weak, standing up for those that were experiencing injustice in their life. He was there for the woman at the well. He was there for the woman caught in adultery. He was there to pray over lepers. Jesus did stuff that you just were not supposed to do, but he did it because of the strength of goodness that was in operation in his life. And people were attracted to that. And Jesus, this is, look, and and he loved people and he operated in gentleness, but Jesus went slap gangster a few times I mean, he did. He, he went in the temple. Y'all remember the story. Y'all, you've read your Bible. He goes into the temple where the money changers are cheating people out of their money, and he sees what's happening. Here's what was going on. A lot of people don't know this. These people were, you know, um, coming into the temple, and some of them would bring animals to be sacrificed in the temple system to, as an offering to cover them and their families' sins. And so... What would happen is not everybody had animals, but they had money. So instead of sacrificing an animal, you would come in with a monetary offering, and they would take that sacrifice or that offering, and the temple would provide you with an animal to be sacrificed. So you would purchase the animal. So you were still sacrificially giving something. That was the point. And so you would buy a dove or you would buy a lamb, and then they would take it or send it back and the priest would and all them they would prepare it and then they would offer it for your family well what these jokers were doing was they would bring out a dove and you would say i want that dove to be sacrificed for my family and they would say okay it's 15 dollars okay here's my 15 bucks they'd sell you the dove they'd take the dove and go through one door and instead of sending it up to the priest to be sacrificed they come back out the other door with the same dove put it back in the cage, and then they sell that thing to somebody else. That's what they were doing. That's the scam that they were running. And it infuriated Jesus. He's like, you're manipulating people and using their desire to please me to get to benefit you financially. He went ape over it, started flipping tables and beating people with a homemade whip. Man, I, look, those tables he was flipping... People say they, they weigh somewhere around 700 pounds a piece. And Jesus is just, just a man's man flipping those things, you know, just full hulk in the temple. I wouldn't have needed to have been beat with a whip to run me out of the courtyard. If I saw a dude flipping 700-pound tables, I'm going to find an exit by my own self. You know, I guarantee you I will see my way out of there. But 
out of all of that, though, it was the goodness of God um, operating in character and integrity and refusing to let the opposite of that take place when he had the power to do something to make a difference in the situation. And I think that goodness is what really attracted people to Jesus because goodness, real goodness, genuine goodness is so rare in our world today. Wouldn't you agree? It's really rare in our world today. And part of the problem is that most people's idea of goodness is based on preference and opinion, not fact or truth. We live in a relative society. And when I say relative society, I don't mean a small town in Arkansas where everybody's related to each other. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, We live in a relative society where truth becomes interpreted by what you feel like it should be. So what's good for you might not be good for me. What's right for you might not be right for me. But if it's right for you and it's not right for me, it's okay because it's still right for you. That's the society that we live in today. The problem is this. Truth cannot be subjected underneath preference or opinion. Truth has to be absolute. It has to be consistent. It has to be solid. It's immovable. Can't mess with that stuff. But we try to do that today. Like if I... If I were to ask the people in this room, if we were just to pick two real not, you don't want to stir people up, so I say non-controversial, non-over-politicized topics for us to talk about, which are rare nowadays, but something that's just not going to split the house and get people worked up. If I were to ask everybody in here to give me your thoughts on whether or not abortion was good, something not controversial at all, you know, um, or if I were to ask you, is homosexuality right or wrong? Even in a church setting where we should be operating under the principles of the word of God, we're going to have a division in our comments and our opinions on that. Why? Because they're opinions and their preferences. And we're not operating under the undiluted truth of the word of God. So we'll call things that are probably wrong right because it fits our narrative for the situation can't operate like that and I think that that is what hurts us as a church and hurts our ability to reach people for the kingdom of God Um, because it doesn't matter what our definition of right or wrong is what matters is what God's definition of right and wrong is okay and I'll say it again it doesn't matter what our definition is I'll go further it doesn't matter what our preference or our opinion is. What matters is what God says truth is. What he says is truth is truth. What he says is right is right. What he says is wrong is wrong. And it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It is still right or it's still wrong because the word of God does not change. Ever. Ever. So we got to line ourselves up with it. Is, it. is it right or is it wrong for Uh, a boyfriend and a girlfriend to sleep together before they're married. You'll get a ton of different answers. Well, if God's put us together and we'll know, no, it's either sin or it's not sin, you know? And I'm not trying to be hard-nosed this morning, but I'm just trying to be straight with you. The Word of God doesn't change us. And if we're going to be judged by the Word of God, a smart person is going to say two and two is four. And maybe it's going to benefit us to be on the right side of what isn't going to change especially if we're going to be held accountable to it. Okay? Um, 
So I think it's smart for us to look at what God's definition of goodness actually is. This fruit that's supposed to be born out in our lives through the Holy Spirit working inside of us. So y- y'all still with me today? I didn't get y'all all messed up and y'all getting huffy at me. I'm going to talk to pastor next week. I'm setting an appointment. We're going to talk about some of this. He said, go ahead and set it, sweetheart. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk. Um, I think one of the most freeing things about being able to preach and share the Word of God is this. I don't have to give any of my opinions or my preferences. All I have to do is stick to the Word of God. Who gives a flying rip what I think? I mean, really. Um, but I care a lot about what the Word of God says. You know, that's, what, that's what's important. Um, the word for goodness that's used here in Galatians, it's actually used in the Old Testament all the time, is a word called agathosune, agathosune. Agathosune, agathosune, agathosune. I bet y'all can say it now. What is it called? Agathosune. You got it. See, that's some that's some tricky teacher stuff right there. Watch y'all through it as I walk through it. God have mercy. Agathosune. Okay, here's what it means. It means merciful kindness, good character, moral excellence. Whew, moral excellence. And look at this last word. Holiness. Whose definition of holiness? God's definition of holiness. Question. If someone were going to describe you, I asked myself this question this week, and I had to fix some stuff to be able to have the right answer. Okay, if someone were to ask this question about you, could they, could they say that you are someone who shows merciful kindness, good character, Moral excellence and holiness in your life, according to God's definition, not your preference or your opinion, not the low bar that you and your friends have set for each other, God's standard, God's standard. That's a tough question to ask yourself because I know the answer. Um, I think we all fall short somewhere along the way, and that's where God's grace is there to help us where we're weak. I don't think God expects us to be perfect. He knew we couldn't be perfect. He sent Jesus to die for us because we weren't perfect. Okay, so I'm not setting a standard of perfection. What I'm saying is, though, in our lives, if the Holy Spirit is working in us, these things should begin to manifest in our lives at some level as we grow and we mature and we draw closer to Him. So we should develop merciful kindness. We should develop good character. We should display moral excellence and live a life of holiness according to the Word of God. Okay, Not through our efforts. Let me get that. Not through our efforts. If we could do it, if we could earn it, Jesus wouldn't have had to die for us. But we still have a part to play in this. Okay, If we're not close to God, the Holy Spirit doesn't have access to bear that fruit in our lives. Okay, so it should be happening. If it's not happening, I circle that and say, if you're not producing apples, then you're not an apple tree. If you're not producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life at some level, listen, it's because you're not, you're not drawing close to God and allowing that to happen. Okay, that's just, we can just wrap up and have an altar call right now. Okay, and I'll be the first one down there saying, God, help me where I'm falling short in, in what you're calling me to do with my life. It's his definition. Here's what's crazy about it. In the Old Testament, this word, 
agathosune, in the, in the Old Testament, okay, this was only used in reference to God. He was the only one. It was considered blasphemy to use this word describing anyone else or anything else. This was a holy word used only to describe an attribute of God. But in the New Testament, it's used all the time to describe how we are supposed to live our lives. That threw me for a loop. If it was only used in reference to God in the Old Testament, and now it's used in reference for us in the New Testament, what's the difference? What's the difference? Because we are expected to show or reflect the attributes of the God that we're serving. So in our lives, when people look at us, they don't so much see who we've been or even who we are now, but they see the God that we serve as he's producing his fruit in our lives. We're supposed to reflect him because now he is in us, changing us, developing us into his image and his likeness. Make sense? So, so that's why so there's a big calling that's put on us. So the question becomes, why? Why? Why is it so important that we display goodness according to God's definition in our life? And why is it so important to let the Holy Spirit change us so that we operate that way and become different from the rest of the world because it doesn't operate that way? And we operate in pure goodness as the Holy Spirit's fruit is being produced in our lives. What's the big deal? Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 14. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your... Ah! What kind of deeds... What kind of deeds was that? Did y'all see that? Good deeds. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. People will see the fruit of the Spirit being produced in your life to separate you from how the world operates so that they see the good in your character, they see the good in your moral excellence. They see the good in your mercy and your kindness and how you interact with other people. They see the good in the holiness in which you live your life to create an image or a reflection of the glory of God through everything that you say and do to please Him. They will see that happening. So you become a light in the darkness to shine brightly and point people to Jesus. He says, I want this goodness in your life to separate you from everybody else so they see the difference, want to know what the difference maker is so that they can encounter my difference-making love in their life. Crazy. You are the light of the world. Uh, Tony, if you will, let's go ahead and let's bring down the house lights in here. I want to go back retro on you. I want to go to old school youth group stuff with you guys right now. Light of the world. Now, it's not pitch black in here. You guys watching online can probably still, what, still see what's happening. But even if you can't see me, you'll be able to see what's happening in just a second. Now, what am I fixing to do? I'm fixing to shine my light. 
Now, if all the lights were on in here, there's no way this light would be as bright as it is right now. Okay? Let your light so shine. Listen. He used the word light because the world is in spiritual darkness. We're a spiritual light. Listen, with the goodness, he specifically used good deeds to equate it with the light that we shine for the gospel of Jesus by what we say, what we do, how we operate in mercy and kindness to others, how we operate with our character, our moral excellence, and the holiness of our lifestyle sets us apart to be this light. Now, one light makes a big difference. Let's go full youth group now. Let's all shine our other lights. Let's everybody shine your light. Now, look at this. Look at that. Now, how awesome. How awesome. How awesome. Touch the person next to you and say, let it shine. You got to let it shine. We got to let that light shine. We got to let this light shine. You guys can bring the lights back up. You can go ahead and bring the lights back up. We've got to let our light shine, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to let our light shine, people watching online. We've got to let our light shine because, listen, it is the only light that can shine in this dark world. We've got to let our light shine through our goodness. We've got to let our light shine through our love, through our forgiveness, through our welcoming of other people, even if they don't look like us or act like us or they're different from us. We're all the same children of God. We've got to let our light shine shine and reaching other people for Jesus Christ. We've got to let our light shine. When everybody wants to go low, we go high. We've got to let our light shine. When everybody wants to do the wrong thing, we've got to stand up and say, no, I'm going to do the right thing because I don't want to hurt the heart of God. I don't give a flying rip what you think about me. I care everything about what he thinks about me. I'm going to live my life setting myself apart, promoting the Jesus that has turned me into a new creation. Let the light shine. Let the light shine. So it's important. It's important. It's not just a cute little fruit of the Spirit. This is, it creates a platform for us to, to just shine for everybody and say, listen, let me, let me, let me show you the Jesus that I serve before I tell you about the Jesus that I serve. And that's the difference. The number one complaint against the church from most people outside of the church, and I know to an extent this is a cop-out, but they say, well, the church is just full of hypocrites. Yeah. So was the Brave Stadium last night. <laughs> so... so so it was every football stadium and every college in the country yesterday, you know. Um, hypocrites are everywhere. Um, but I get the statement, though, because what they're saying is, I'm not seeing the difference in you that you're saying that Jesus made in you. That's what they're saying. They're just using the wrong terminology. What they're saying is, show me something real. Show me, show me, show me the difference. Let me see it. Because if I see it, then I'll believe it. Let me see the difference in you. And that's why it's important for us to let our lights shine. So let's walk through Scripture, though, and, and let's, let's dig a little bit deeper into this. If Y'all want to dig a little bit deeper? All right, everybody say dig. dig. All right, let's dig into this. Go to Romans chapter 7. Here's where the problem starts to manifest in our lives with this goodness stuff. Romans 7, verse 18. Paul's writing this, and he says, this is just an encouraging statement, if ever there was one. I know that no good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. There is no good in me at all. I'm a bad, 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 
what he's saying. There's no good in me at all. No good in me. Y'all started this by sticking lights in your nose. I'm just saying. All right. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So he says, no good in lives in me. Then he qualifies it and says, that is in my sinful nature. Let me correct some wrong theology here, okay? People walk around and say, listen, I know I'm just a poor, defeated sinner that's saved only by the grace of God. Which is the true statement on how we used to live. Because we were that way. After Jesus, the game changes, baby. He changes everything. We're no longer a slave to that sin. We're free from that sin. Listen, if we sin after Jesus has set us free, then maybe this is going to set somebody free today. Listen, we sin because we choose to. Not because we have to. Because we're in bondage to that sin. We choose to subjugate ourselves back to it. I'm going to come back over here where it's safe. I saw some of those looks. All right. So, but it's the truth. And what Paul is saying here is this. He's like, look, that old nature in me, that old nature in me, there's no good in it. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature, that person that I used to be, that, that flesh that I'm wrapped up in. That's why he says that old nature in me, I have to crucify myself daily, put that stuff to death so that it does not have a place in my life, that it does not have a legal right to have spiritually. I've got to put it away. But he says, I know that in that there is no good at all. So if there is no good in us naturally... Let me show you how this goodness stuff works. Philippians 2, starting at verse 13. Another piece of this puzzle drops. and says, for God is working in you. Now look what God does when he's working in us. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Whew, the game changes when God starts working in your life. So he says, not only, not only am I asking you to do it in Scripture and commanding you to do it in some things in Scripture, I am going to put that desire inside of you through the Holy Spirit's work producing his fruit in your life. I'm going to put that desire in you as I change you from the inside out. And not only am I going to do that, I am going to give you the power through my Holy Spirit to not just halfway do it, but to operate in power and overcoming power while you do this stuff. That's amazing. I work in you. So now we have a conflicting issue inside of us. We've got our old nature over here that nothing good is in, and we have the Spirit of God working in us, manifesting His goodness in our lives. So it's like a cold front and a hot front. And from time to time, there's going to be a thunderstorm. From time to time, we're going to have a conflict between the two natures and we're going to have to choose. And we're going to have to choose to die to that and step into who God is calling us to be. See, God equips us and the desire is there, but we still make the choice. The power to choose is still ours. You can have all the potential that Scripture says that you have, all, all the gifts of the, the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, all the miracle working power that the Holy Spirit brings into you, all of that there potentially, and you can choose to never tap into it if you don't want to, even though Jesus died to provide all of it for you. 
or you can choose to do it. How about we choose to do it? How about we choose to do it? So look at this in, in Luke chapter 6. We're going to bounce around some scripture for a little bit. Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. Ah, so you're a good person and you produce good things because the heart is good or in good condition. Now, this word good, by the way, same definition. Same definition that we established earlier. Okay, that kind of goodness in our hearts. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. It all comes from right here. Okay, so we've either, we're either operating in our old nature right here, or we're operating as a new creation right here. And we get the power to choose it. Proverbs 4, 23. It all flows out of that heart, though. Proverbs 4, 23 reads like this. It says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything. Whether or not you're operating spiritually in the right context flows out of the condition of your heart. But he says for us to guard it. See, it's our responsibility to guard what we allow to go in. Because what goes in affects what we let out. Now, whose, whose responsibility is it to guard? Whose? Lord Jesus, I just pray that you post angels all about me so when good-looking women go by, I don't see them. I just see your angels' backsides. That's all I want to see is angel hineys, not good-looking women. God, do that in the name of Jesus. That's what I just, just rugged, ugly, manly angels that I will not be attracted to in any way, shape, or form, so that I cannot see good-looking women. Thank you in Jesus' name. Lord, I asked you to hide my eyes so I couldn't see them, and you let them walk before me. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. He's already done all that work. It's on us to take responsibility for that part. Guard your heart. Uh, what goes in impacts us. Okay? So we have to give strong consideration to this. Why? Because it's a spiritual principle. Okay? It is key to our spiritual foundation, and it's key to how we operate in this world, and it's key to whether or not we're being a light for the world or not. Okay? So we've got to take it serious because it impacts us spiritually, and that impacts us for eternity. So question is this, what are we putting in to our hearts? And what is that producing in our lives? Are we still pouring in the stuff that we poured in before Jesus became Lord and Savior of our lives? See, I'm going to ask a question. What kind of movies do we entertain ourselves with? Okay? What are we putting into ourselves? Because what you put in comes out. Pastor, that's just ridiculous. I'm so spiritually strong, that stuff doesn't bother me. Then you're saying the Bible is wrong because it just said what you put in will come out. What kind of music do we listen to? 
Okay, it's, it's feeding one of two natures. It's either feeding us spiritually or it's not. What are we reading? What kind of material are we ingesting? What kind of philosophies are we ingesting when we read? Are we reading the Word of God? If faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, then the opposite of that can be true. We're not putting the Word of God in and we're putting something else in then what we're hearing there manifests in our life too. Well, that just sounds crazy. Now, look, old school pastors right about now will be going, you can't call yourself a Christian and watch fill in the blank. Or you can't call yourself a Christian and listen to, okay? You can't be a Christian in the house of God and really worship him and be an Alabama fan. I just don't see how, don't see how that can happen. You know, to me, it makes no sense at all. Some of y'all still deceived. I get it. Woo, they're a good team. But listen. Y'all started this with the red nose. That's all I'm saying. But they would say you, you can't do that. I don't like that statement personally. And here's why I don't like those statements personally. Because you're assuming the heart condition of another person. Well, I'm just looking at the fruit. Well, hold on. Hold on. What about their spiritual maturity at the moment? Here's the line I'm drawing. When we're little, we act like little people, little children. When we're grown up, we hopefully act like mature adults. But you can have grown-up, immature adults that act like little children. Anybody ever seen one of those before? Yeah. You can, you can have those. Um, I'm not saying they would put a light in their nose and make it red in a service or anything, but you know, I won't get off that. That was great. Um, that was great. So, but for real though, it's not like they wore a bra into service or anything today. So, that would be, so that would be. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. So, um, anyway, uh, I don't like that because it assumes a lot and it assigns a lot. And I don't know why we're so quick to put labels on things. People do what they do because of where they are spiritually. Okay. So if somebody's living like that, the better approach is to not hammer them and tell them they're a failure spiritually. The better approach is to say, hey, if what we put in us produces what comes out of us, don't you want to be closer to Jesus? I do. Okay, listen. So draw closer to Jesus. Don't you want this, like the fruit of the Spirit that he says that he can produce in your life? Wouldn't you love more love or joy or peace in your life? Wouldn't the people around you love for you to operate in more patience with them? Well, yeah. Okay, then let's, let's, let's look at this logically then. If you want those things in your life, if you want to operate in the miracle-working power of God, if you want to practice the presence of God daily and draw closer to Him, it's not going to be accomplished by choosing to still entertain the stuff that's going to feed the part of you that will keep you away from Him and cause you to live in spiritual normality. He wants you to just exceed live above and beyond and have everything that he desires for you to have. And, and I think that that's, that's where we don't connect the dots sometimes and because it's when people come in to correct, they correct the wrong way. 
we focus too much on what should be given up instead of what we're trying to attain in our lives, what we're trying to move toward. And in moving toward that, we move further away from the old nature. I think it's less about the legality of what we're watching and more about what's happening in our hearts. And if you want to desire, if you desire to be closer to God and operate at a higher level spiritually and see that power in your life that you've heard about all your life, there needs to be a separation there as you move into who God has called you to be. And that's the heart behind it. And, and you can't operate in the goodness as defined by God, that, that merciful kindness towards people, that, that strong character, that moral excellence, and most importantly, that holiness, if you're filling yourself full of things that are unholy. Something to think about. So if, if I were an athlete or a CrossFit person, which obviously I'm not, but if I was a CrossFit person or I look more like a weightlifter because that's usually that's what I've spent most of my life doing. I love working out. Um, but if I was doing that professionally and I changed my diet, okay, from eating healthy and eating high protein and things that were going to feed my body and help me uh, grow stronger and achieve better results on the field of competition, whatever it is, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, all of that stuff. Okay, I live my life by putting that good stuff in so that I can perform better in the sports that I play or see better results in the gym. You know, it's hard to lose weight while you're eating chocolate cake every day of the week. You can work out all you want to, but until you cut out the chocolate cake, look, you're just, you're just exercising. You're not losing weight. Yeah, because you're feeding yourself. And, and if those athletes change their diet and put in the sweets and the unnutritious stuff, what is going to happen immediately is it's going to affect how they operate. It's going to affect how much weight they're able to move. It's going to affect their time in the 40. It's going to affect how quickly they recover from a workout or a game. It's going to affect the fatigue in the muscles because they're not giving themselves what they need in order to perform like they need to perform. Listen, it could be that you are experiencing so much frustration and so much, so much um, anxiety in your walk with God because you don't feel like you're getting where you should be. Maybe we should back up and look at what we're putting into us because if we're putting the right stuff in, we're going to perform at the level that we can perform at. So goodness, man, I'm telling you, it's more of a fruit of what's coming into us, what we're feeding into us, and the Holy Spirit takes that and produces His fruit in our lives. When we draw close to God, this is what I know, when we draw close to God, His goodness is reflected in our lives and flows out to others. Every time. When we operate in goodness and we do those good deeds and that love, that mercy, and that kindness, when people see the difference in our character, our moral excellence, it sets us apart. We're living in holiness. Listen, when you live in holiness, you walk in anointing. You walk in a practiced presence of God. It just happens as a byproduct. Some of y'all are wanting to go deeper in your walk with God. Let me encourage you. Cut out the junk. And fill yourself with the word. Fill yourself with some worship. Just don't do anything for the next three days. No TV. No Facebook. No Netflix. No nothing. 
just get into the Word of God and put on some worship music, maybe listen to some messages preached by some great pastors that preach the Word of God, and just, I mean, just overload yourself with spiritual content for the next three days and tell me if you can see a difference in your life. promise you, you'll see a difference. Because what you put in is going to come out. It's going to come out every time. There's an atheist that was in the Navy, got assigned to a boat, and wasn't a big boat, on a real big ship. So the crew that was there, about 30 people or so, they all got to know each other really well while they were handling their tasks and doing what they do. They would see each other multiple times a day while they were going from point A to point B on this little ship. Guy was an atheist, wanted nothing to do with God, didn't even really want to sit in a conversation about any form of religion or deity. That, that abrasive. Done with it. I believe what I believe. There is no God and the rest of you are fools for thinking that there is. There was a devout Christian serving in the Navy assigned to the same boat. And over time, they crossed paths, got to know one another. They would eat together. Sometimes they work on the same projects together doing their tasks and their duties. Over time, the atheist noticed something different about the Christian. He noticed that the Christian didn't hang out with the rest of the crew when they were telling the dirty jokes and doing the cussing and the drinking. And if he was around, he wasn't participating. He was just there to beat like build relationships with the rest of the crew. He noticed that the Christian, his work ethic was better than the rest of the men on the crew. When they would do status quo and just do what was necessary and then get out, he went the extra mile and did above and beyond. And that Christian's excellence, that Christian's goodness that he operated in, he watched the guy bring coffee to the crewmates. He watched him pray for people that were going through stuff. He watched him serve the crew. And it impacted the atheist life. Started having more conversations with the Christian. I don't, I don't get it. Why are you so different? There's just something about you. Not in a weird way. There's just something about you. And I got to know what, like, what, what makes you do what you do. Christian's goodness created a platform to point the atheist to Jesus. The atheist said this, I would never have read a Bible. You couldn't have got me to read one word on one page of the Bible. But this man let me read the word of God through what he did with his life on a daily basis. And the atheist ended up giving his heart to Jesus because of simple goodness displayed in the life of someone that had been radically changed. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. To let that light shine. Not in your nose, but to let it shine for the world to see. They need to see something that sets us apart. Okay? And I'm not talking about legality. I'm not talking about, well, I got I to gotta stop listening to this because Pastor Josh said, don't do anything because Pastor Josh said, do everything because the Word of God instructs. Okay? I want to make sure y'all get that.
We're not trying to cookie cut or stamp your walk with God. I'm encouraging you to take steps into something deeper, into something more beautiful. And let God continue that work on the inside of you like only He can do. And if we will do that, and that fruit of goodness is produced in our lives, we are able... Man, we set ourselves apart. We set ourselves up. We do become that city on a hill. We become that light in the darkness. And people are drawn to it so we can point them to Jesus. That's what it's all about. I don't know about you, but I do want to let my light shine. Not because it's a cool saying. I want to see people see the difference in me because I know the difference in me. I want them to experience what Jesus can do in their lives because I know what he's done in my life. I want them to know because I know what the Bible says and I don't want them to spend eternity in hell. And if me drawing closer to God and separating myself so that that goodness can be produced in my life to draw people in can be one decision and one choice that I make to help make Jesus famous, I'll gladly do that because all of this stuff is going to burn up. It's going to burn up, but we're going to spend eternity somewhere. I want to take as many people with me to heaven as I possibly can. And I know the best way to do that is to get closer to God than I've ever been in my life. To let His light shine in my life. That's what it's all about. And it's funny because... I knew I was preaching this message today and I was talking with Corey uh, Condry, the guy that owns the radio station that we get to be on. And I'm telling you, God has done something cool there. Okay, there's more than a business arrangement with the station. Corey and I, we've connected. So Pastor Josh and Coco, brother, we're friends. All right. He's funny. He said, man, you're like the white version of me. I'm like, I know, man. It is crazy. Like your brother from another mother. He's like, for real though. And I'm like, I know. So it's so funny we think so alike on so many different things. And we were talking about this very principle. That's why I was laughing. Uh, I was like, man, it's so funny because I'm preaching on this very principle of doing good for others to show them the love of God in a practical way. You know, and he said, well, what if we do this? We're thinking about doing this idea for the radio station. We're going to call it Love Week. And just for one week out of the month, we're just going to love on people on separate days. We're, one day, we're, we're just want to just do something for a family that's in need. Let's find someone in a special situation and step in and bless them and just show the love of God by providing something that they need. And I thought, man, that's amazing. And he goes, well, look, we're, we're going to be giving away free gas from the radio stations. And so why don't we do that in Love Week 2? And I'm like, bro, that's a great idea. So Wednesday... We're going to, this week, be working with the radio station to bless families in need in the area to show them the love of God. Thursday, we're going to join up with the radio station to help give away free gas to the community. I don't know if you noticed lately, it ain't exactly cheap, okay? We're going to give away free gas just to show the love of God practically. Friday, we're going all out and taking over a restaurant, and we're going to give away free dinners to the first 104 people that walk into the restaurant. Just to show the love of God through the goodness of our deeds and let that light 
shine. Let that light shine. And I was talking with Corey, and I'm like, bro, look, that's awesome. <laughs> we already gave you a lot of money <laughs> to do radio ads. A lot of money for us anyway. We've got a fall fest going on. We've got financial commitments there. We've got Christmas coming up, and we're setting aside money for that. We're coming out of COVID. We don't have a ton of money. He's like, no, 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 no. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm like, what's going on in that brain of yours? He said, the money that you guys have already given to purchase the radio ads, that $5,500, okay? Um, he said, why don't we do this? We're not going to come up with extra money. The radio station is going to put in their part. What if we took the part that came in to pay for those ads? What if we turn that around and it's not profit for the radio station, but what if we use it for outreaches to pour into the community and let Eastgate Church, man, and let Eastgate Church partner with 104.5 and let's turn Douglas County upside down for Jesus. I said, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm talking my language now. I love it. So Wednesday, I get to go on live with him again, and we're going to have fun. So you never know what that joker's going to do. Um, we're going to have some fun and bless some families. But this is something we're going to do as a church one week out of every month in partnership with them to bless the community for the rest of this year. And then we'll see what happens next year. You know? But, man, listen, it's awesome. And here's the deal. We're going to do that next week. And it's all going to roll into Fall Fest. Because Fall Fest is something we're doing as a church to love on our community. Everything we're doing with the bounce houses and the inflatable slides and the hay rides, the s'mores, the food, all the games, all the entertainment, all that fun stuff, all the prizes we're giving away, we're doing it for free. Why? To love on our community and just do something good to bless them and show the goodness of God. That's what we want to do. So it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great week of ministry. It's going to end at Fall Fest. we got Family Sunday next week and then Fall Fest that evening. How awesome a day is that going to be? Let me encourage you on a couple of things, Eastgate. Listen, remember to bring some candy. Why? Because we want to love on our community in a good way. All right, there's kind of doing something, and then there's operating with excellence. Let's operate with excellence and bring that in. I don't want to go shopping. Then give $10, and we'll go buy candy. All right, let's make sure we got a ton of candy. Why are y'all all on the candy? Because we don't want to run out. Why? Because kids are like little crackheads when you start giving candy out, man. Dude, they'll, they'll eat all of it. My kid the other day, my kid the other day asked if she could have a Kit Kat. We said, yeah, you can have a Kit Kat. And Kelly noticed she was walking funny going down the hallway at the house. That little joker had Kit Kat stuffed in her pants legs, had Kit Kat stuffed in her shirt, had Kit Kats in her waistband. She, I mean, straight, she was mewling candy into the bedroom is what she was doing to try to stash it. That's what kids do. So we want to make sure we've got a lot of candy for this community. Listen, help us by signing up to volunteer for a time slot. It's a great opportunity to show the goodness of God to others. And it's, I mean, a perfect opportunity to love on the community. Let me encourage you to do that. All right? So when you walk out of here today, go find Rachel. Sign up for that stuff. Sign up for it. Listen, Eastgate, we're living in a great time. Great time. 
God always does something in you before he does something through you. God's been doing some stuff in us. He's starting to do some stuff through us. All right. Let that light shine. Let that light shine. Let's let the Spirit of God produce His fruit of goodness in our lives because there's more to it than just us. There's more people on this planet than just us. And if we'll draw close to Him, He'll make the changes happen. He'll change our desires and then He will equip us with power to do what He's calling us to do. And choice is ours. So i got a question for you as we close today. Do you want to live down here or do you want to live up here? Do you want to reach people at this level or do you want to reach people at this level? Let's be everything that Jesus paid the price for us to be. Let that light shine, not just in philosophy, but in how we live our lives. You guys at home, let that light shine. Let it shine. Let the Holy Spirit produce that fruit like only He can. And then watch the lives that are impacted through you. Father, thank you so much for what you've done in this place, Lord, for how you're speaking to us as the church, for the doors that you're opening up, for the platform that you're giving us, not to exalt ourselves, but to make you famous because the platform is yours. We don't want to build a platform. We want to build altars so lives can be saved. So, Lord, I pray that we all take a look at our lives and look at what we're feeding ourselves spiritually because that determines how we're performing that determines what you're able to do and that determines our reach and our impact and how effective we are for you lord let us make the changes that we need to make so that we can impact as many people as we possibly can father we give you glory we give you praise for what you're doing in this place with your heads bowed and your eyes closed one question real fast you're here today and you say, Pastor Josh, there is some stuff in my life that I need to change. There's some stuff that I'm allowing to feed my old nature and I'm going to choose today to cut that stuff out so that I can draw closer to God. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me because I want to pray over you real quick before we get out of here today. One, two, three look them up and look at me eyes are going up all over this place today praise God he knows what he's doing father as we make these choices today because it's our choice to make if we make these choices today Lord I pray that you bless our obedience and our desire to draw closer to you Lord I pray that you overwhelm us with your presence Lord that you speak to us through your word like never before that, Father, one step towards you feels like a hundred steps towards you. And one step away from who we used to be feels like a thousand steps away, Father, that we, that we flee from that and run to you. Lord, change us. Father, show us opportunities around us to show your goodness through that mercy and that kindness. Lord, develop the character in us that we need so that we look different, to operate in that moral excellence that comes along with the fruit of your goodness and most importantly the holiness the holiness that allows us to walk in a powerful anointing and see lives impacted and changed Father I pray that you do that for all of us today so that we can impact people this week 
Lord, we give you glory and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Let's give God some praise. Yeah. Dates and times on the outreach stuff we're doing this week, um, I'm still waiting on some of them from the radio station. I do know this Wednesday night we're going live at, uh, I think, 6 we're going live. And uh, we'll be doing all that fun stuff. Um, do I want to? Do we want to go ahead and, and tell them some other stuff that's going on too? Yeah. All right, everybody, stand up real fast. I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll tell you something real fast. Um, I'll finish my my, my thought though, because I'm bad about not doing that. So, as I get times in from the radio station on what time to show up to help uh, love on people and give them gas, uh, we'll post it on social media. And we'll send out some tech messages and let everybody know. So watch the Facebook page. Uh, watch Instagram. Um, and we'll do some calls, too, to let people know. I know it's going to be during the work week, so I know not all of us will be able to be there. But if you can show up, show up, all right? Um, the, the food stuff, probably going to be Friday evening, but I don't have a time yet. So we'll, when we get that, we'll give it. Because it was kind of a conversation we had last week, so it's just a spur-of-the-moment thing that's happening. But God does some powerful things in the spontaneous, doesn't he? It really does. Planning's great, but man, always let God move in the moment. So we get to partner with the pantry, a local food outreach, on November, what is it, 19th? I think it's the 19th. Um, yeah, I've got it written down here, the 19th, November 19th. We get to help them put together packs to provide Thanksgiving dinners for families in the area that wouldn't normally have a Thanksgiving dinner. So remember that outreach that's coming up. Um, Eastgate Church has been given the opportunity to go in on November 17th. Is that the right date, 17th? I'm asking these guys like they know. I'm supposed to know all this stuff. I think it's the 17th. If it's the wrong date, we'll correct it. But about that time, some Wednesday in November, we get to go on live on the radio station. Listen, not just me, our worship team. And we get to do worship live on the air and share the word to bring some Jesus to some people in our area. They're going to record it and then replay it the following week. So they're going to get a double dose. They're going to get a double dose. Listen, God is opening up doors of opportunity for us as a church. How awesome is that? Isn't that just awesome? I love it. I love it. Every door he opens up, let's just walk right through it. And let's let God use us. Listen, it's one thing to talk about it. It's something else to do it. All right, plenty of people talk about it. Let's be a church that does it. Amen? God bless you guys. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you all so much. We love you all. We'll see you next week. Everyone watching, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.